you're turning in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. It was on this day, 94 years ago, that Dr. King was born. On this day, 94 years ago. That's not that long ago. Many of us have relatives who are still alive, who are in their 90s. But there was a purpose in his life as there's a purpose in all of our lives. And whether we live 39 years as he lived or we live 95 years as Darina's grandmother lived, the Lord says, teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom and fulfill what he's called us to do. We don't know how much time we have left, but we do have today. And we've just been celebrating and honoring the Lord, saying, Lord, we will praise you because you're worthy. Something or someone is always vying for our praise, for our worship, our admiration. But I'm so glad that we can gather as a body and say for the next hour and a half or so, we are going to focus our attention collectively on the goodness of our God. For there is none like him. We, we are witnesses of the fact that Jesus is real. And we can sing these songs about him being a chain breaker because we know that to be true in our lives. Are we perfect? Nah. We're just loved. We're loved with a perfect love. And every day he gives us grace to go on. Uh, tomorrow, I will be at a Martin Luther King Jr. service at Watson Grove Baptist Church, not far from here in Nashville, where my good friend, Reverend Walter Simmons, is one of the speakers. Walter is here with us this morning, along with folks from his church, the Empowerment Community Church. Walter, would you raise your hand? Walter, thank you, my brother. He's speaking tomorrow. I'll post it on my social media if any of you would like to join us. Uh, as we go and uh, enjoy the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Also on Wednesday of this week, um, we're going to be back here in the building for Wednesday Night Impact. And uh, I do believe the church is providing the meal for this Wednesday, all right? We're going to feed you uh, some physical food and some soul food, but you got to register. You got to sign up. Uh, I'm not sure where Pastor Jerry and Sister Heather are getting the food from, but I know it's going to be nice. What, 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 what that is? It's on the board. There it is, right there. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. It's right there. So, so Strong Tower, let, let me just say something to y'all. I know we have guests in the house, so guests, please excuse me as I do some housekeeping. Don't do that last-minute sign-up stuff. <laughs> and don't do that, I'm not going to sign up, but I'm going to show up. Then get mad when there ain't no plate for me. All right, no, 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 excuse me, guests, but uh, <laughs> sign up. What we're going to do is um, we're going to continue on Wednesday nights talking about what we're doing this month, and that is loving yourself. And I've asked Dr. Jewell to come and talk to us about loving ourselves as far as our mental health is concerned. So we always need to be encouraged and hear things and be given tools uh, so that we may have the best mental health possible for where we are today. So we'll open up with some word on Wednesday and uh, then she's going to take the time and then we'll get into some small groups so that it's very applicable and practical for where we are. And then next Wednesday night, um, Dr. Joe is going to talk to us about our physical health. Amen? amen. Oh, I heard an amen over here. I didn't hear one over here. Dr. Joe is going to talk to us about our physical health. Amen? Amen. amen. So, um, Mind, body, and soul. That's who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ. So uh, this Wednesday, make sure you sign up. We'll get started at 6 o'clock with the meal. 6.30, we'll go online for those who are watching around the country. And then we'll go off around 7.15 and we'll get into small groups in the fellowship hall. And we'll continue to grow as disciples. Again, I praise God for um, the classes that began this morning for children, students, and adults. Um, all we can do is set the table. We, we ask you to come and come feed on the Lord, feed on his word, and get some fellowship and get to know some people. 
um, that, that's when it really starts to happen and click for you at the local church. So come on out. If you didn't make it this Sunday, make it out next week to one of the three classes offered. Also classes for the teens and for children. Amen. Also, all right, Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. And I'll read through verse 11, and then I'll pray for us. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Well, for the next few moments with your prayers and, of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk on the subject of love yourself enough to forgive yourself. Love yourself enough to forgive yourself. Let's pray. Jesus, it is our desire to heed this often unheeded command of loving ourselves. Yes, Lord, we do our best to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor. No matter who our neighbor may happen to be, you call us to love them, but you also say to love people as we love ourselves, as we love ourselves. Lord, so often we neglect ourselves and we call it being spiritual. Lord, we also know some of us center ourselves a little too much, and we think that's spiritual, and we need to repent of that. Lord, help us to find that balance, that healthy place that we need to be in. Lord, I'm praying this morning for that person or those persons who are struggling with guilt and shame about things they've done in the past, and those things are shackling them and hindering their progress. I pray that today, as the truth comes out, that the truth would set your people free, that we would be reminded of the power of the gospel of Jesus that not only saves us for eternity, but also forgives us of all of our sins. So Lord, thank you for what you're going to say, what you're going to do. Use me in spite of myself. I've never preached a perfect sermon. I don't want to try to do one this morning. I just want to preach, not with words to be impressive, but in demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. So have your way, O oh God. I decrease that you might increase. Fill me and give your people ears to hear this morning. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask it all. Amen. Amen. Loving yourself enough to forgive yourself. Forgiving yourself is essential to your spiritual growth. Forgiving yourself is essential to your spiritual growth and it is paramount to your mental health. Forgiving yourself is paramount to your mental health. Why, you might ask? Because guilt and shame are internal assassins. 
If we don't understand forgiveness, guilt and shame will not only be internal assassins, but they are awful taskmasters. Guilt and shame are hindrances. They are roadblocks. They are cumbersome weights. They are impediments to your progress. It's hard to go forward if you keep looking back. Paul told the church at Philippi, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. But some of us can't forget those things which are behind because they are ever in front of us. When David had sinned by committing adultery with Bathsheba and killing her husband Uriah, he sat on that sin for over a year, maybe even two years, and he was miserable because he never confessed that sin to God. Psalm 32 talks about that. But when you read Psalm 51, it's after Nathan comes to him and Nathan the prophet confronts David and says, you are the man. You did this and David repented on the spot. He then writes Psalm 51. But one of the things he says in Psalm 51 that I think is very poignant for us this morning is that he says in verse 3, my sin was ever before me. And some of us today can testify that our sin, man, it's just right in front of us. We, we can't forget that thing. It's on our minds all the time. We see things that remind us of what we did, and it triggers guilt and shame. And Lord, we need your help in order to break free. But I've got good news, which means I've got the gospel today. Christians have been eternally forgiven. Once and for all of all of our sins. Amen. That's the good news. It takes faith to believe it, that we have been once and for all forgiven of all of our sins. When the sacrificial lamb, the son of God, was on Calvary's cross, he said, it is finished. Meaning it is paid in full. Every sin that we have ever committed and every sin we will ever commit has been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we are eternally forgiven once and for all of all of our sins. Someone doesn't believe me. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13, Paul says, and you being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. All means all, that's all, all means. All your trespasses. What about when I stole that cookie? All your trespasses. We are eternally forgiven. That deals with our soul. But I have a conjunction here, I have a conjunction, yet. We are eternally forgiven, yet we need daily forgiveness. That deals with our heart. Our soul is taken care of, but man, our heart on a daily basis, we need forgiveness, which is why 1 John 1, 9 comes and the apostle says to us, if we confess our sins. The word confess is a word that means to preach where homiletics comes from, homilageo, if we preach, not to other people about our sins, but if we say to God that we have sinned, Lord, I agree with you that this is sin. It's not just a mistake. It's sin. It's something that Jesus died for. I agree with you. I herald it. I preach it. I confess it, Lord, that it's sin. It's wrong. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So my heart gets cleansed. My soul is already cleansed. I, I've been robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But I need daily forgiveness throughout the day because I sin throughout the day. Omission, commission. Man, although I'm blessed up, I'm still messed up in need of Jesus. His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God has forgiven us. But the question is, 
have we forgiven ourselves? Forgive yourself for that crime you committed when you were younger and had to do jail time. Have you forgiven yourself of that, Christian? Have you forgiven yourself of that abortion you had? That abortion you paid for? Have you really forgiven yourself or is it ever before you? Is it under the blood or is it still on your mind? Have you forgiven yourself for that divorce or for those divorces? Divorce is not the unpardonable sin, no matter what the church says. Have you forgiven yourself for that foreclosure, that bankruptcy? That decision to drop out of high school, you knew it was a mistake. Have you forgiven yourself for it? Have you forgiven yourself for not being there when grandma died? Have you forgiven yourself for sexual unfaithfulness? Have you forgiven yourself for having a child or children out of wedlock? Have you forgiven yourself for arguing with your parents? Have you forgiven yourself for failing your children? I can go on and on because all of us understand what failing and falling is all about. But if God has forgiven us, who are we to not forgive ourselves? Uh -huh, uh -huh. The holy God. When David says against you and you only have our sin. Wait a minute, I thought you sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah. I did, but it really doesn't compare to me sinning against a holy God. All sin ultimately is against him, even though I sin with and against other folk. It's ultimately against him, against you and you only have our sin. The holy God, the transcendent God, the almighty God, the pure God. If he can forgive us, who are you to not forgive yourself? Well, Lord, I've forgiven me, but my neighbor hasn't. Who is your neighbor to not forgive you? Who is your husband, your wife, not to forgive you when God has forgiven you? And Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if God does not condemn you, Jesus was condemned so that you wouldn't have to be. If God does not condemn you, why are you condemning yourself? By faith, you must believe the gospel that you have been forgiven. So forgive yourself. Well, in this text today, we see a man who received forgiveness from Jesus. In this text today, we see a man who forgave himself. Yet, to all my Bible scholars in here, I, I know you're listening astutely. You will not find the word forgiveness in the 11 verses that I read today, you, you're not going to see the word forgiveness because I know how you preach no forgiveness. Forgiveness not in the passage, passage. Yes, it is. The word may not be there. You don't see Peter saying, Lord, forgive me. You don't see Jesus saying, Peter, I forgive you. You don't see Peter saying, Lord, I forgive myself. You don't see it. Pastor, how you get all of that out of that verse? Well, hang with me today and, and, and I think there's a word for you. When you see this passage, you're going to see the affirmations and the actions of a God who forgives a sinner. You're going to see what it looks like because some of us know definitions and theology, but we don't know practicality. We don't know how to apply stuff. We don't know how to live stuff. We're anal, man. We just focus on the words, but you're not living it. And what you're going to see today is a man who received God's forgiveness and forgave himself. I'm just trying to help somebody today. We sing about him being a chain breaker. I pray in Jesus' name somebody's chains of unforgiveness will be broken today. So from the text, we're going to see three things. Number one, the need for forgiveness. Number two, the extension of forgiveness. And then finally, the proof of forgiveness. So go with me to verse 1 as we get into point 1, the need for forgiveness. So it was, verse 1 says, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. Isn't that good that, that, that you want to hear the word of God? You're going to join the throngs of people who want to hear from God and hear from the lips of the Messiah himself and Jesus stood by the lake of Genesaret, which is another term for 
the Sea of Tiberias, uh, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Why were they washing their nets? Because they were done working. They were done fishing. Fishing occurs in the darkness, in the wee hours of the morning. So the fishermen go out because the, the sunlight causes the fish to go down deep so that they can escape from fishermen and fishermen nets. And so at night, they're not afraid of sun, so the nets are, uh, of, are there to be able to catch the fish easier. And so these guys are done fishing, so now they're washing their nets. Verse 3, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Does anybody think that was an accident? So when the Lord gets in your boat, it's not an accident, it's providence. The hound of heaven is coming after you. He, he's got something just for you. He's ministering to a crowd, but now he's going to make it personal. You ever been in church sitting with a bunch of people and you feel like you're the only one in the church because the preacher all up in your business, like he was following you around or something? That's how Jesus likes to do this thing. He's going to get all up in your boat. And when he gets up in your boat, he then becomes the captain of your ship. It ain't your boat no more, it's Jesus' boat. And he's about to prove that in a minute. He gets into one of the boats, which was Simon, and asked him, put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, now it's your turn. I, I didn't talk to everybody. Now I've got a word for you. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. You see that, right? Now, now, verse 5, but Simon, here's a command, do this, launch out into the deep, but Simon. This is Simon leaning on his own understanding. Uh, as Elder Sherman would say, and, and, and if I get in trouble, it's because Elder Sherman said it first. He said, a lot of us have problems in our spiritual life because like Peter, our butts are in the way. We got these butts in the way. So get your butt out of the way and do what Jesus called you to do. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, which means Lord. So I got this big butt, uh, 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 and then I'm going to say, Master, Lord, the one who's in control of all things, even what's going on in the sea right now. Because your dominion, your power knows no limit, including the sea, but master. And a lot of us talk to God like that. I know you're in control, Lord, but. I know you know all things, Lord, but. I know you got all power in your hand, Lord, but. We got to stop doing that. But I'm so glad God is patient. Peter says to the Lord, he says, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. In other words, we didn't have a good day of work. We came out here to catch fish. We didn't catch fish. Uh, uh, Lord, we've been working all night. Nevertheless. Now, let me say something to you. God didn't need to hear all of that talk. All your opinion and all your, what you're going through. It should have just been, yes, master, but you're going to tell him all this stuff and then say, okay, Lord, nevertheless, I'm going to do what you said. At your word, I will let down the net. Now, watch this. You're going to miss this. My spiritual son, Cleon Harrison, shared this with me. Jesus told Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural. But Peter is only going to let down a net, singular. Why you think the net's going to break? Because you should have had more nets, bruh. <laughs> but you're still leaning on your own understanding, doing your own thing. Because Jesus, what, what do you know about fishing? You're a carpenter, Lord. I'm a fisherman. You know, I, you, you don't really understand what I'm going through. I know more than you on this one, but since you said it, I'll do it. I'll drop my net, singular. So that when God decides to open up the windows of heaven, or should I say, release the channels of the sea so that the fish jump into the net, you can't even catch the, the harvest because your unbelief put down one net when God said put down nets. 
That's how some of us do without giving. God says, give this much. Well, I'm going to give, but I ain't giving that. I'm going to give this over here. But he'll still bless you and pour so much into your nets you don't have room enough to receive. Verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net, there it is, was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Or should I say partners? Hey, come here, partner. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Can't my God do it? Oh, my goodness. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me. When he saw it, what did he see? He saw the blessing. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, don't you know that God's goodness leads us to repentance? He can be so good to you. And shame on the people who say God will only bless your life to the degree that you have faith. Shame on those folks. Yes, God requires us to have faith. But if every blessing or miracle he did in our lives was based on our faith, we'd be walking around taking the credit for our faith in faith. But this brother had no faith. He put down the net. He was reluctant. He had questions. And he put it down. And God blessed him. And when he saw the blessing, in spite of his faith, he saw his sin. And he fell down at Jesus' knees. Oh, that's a good place to be. Just hanging out on your knees in front of Jesus, getting down on your knees in front of the Lord. And he says, Lord, just, 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 just get away from me. I'm not worthy of you. Lord, just get away. I'm a sinful man. So we see the need for forgiveness here. But before I go on, I, I, I got to make this relevant for some of us because we say that's Peter. I don't really relate to that. I don't fish. But, but let me help you out a little bit. We're going to do a fill in the blank here. When Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Let's take sinful out. And let's put a blank there. And let me try to come down your street and drop some mail off so that you can maybe see where you reside. Depart from me, for I am a distracted man, oh Lord. Depart from me, for I am an angry man, oh Lord. Lord, depart from me because I am a fearful man. Depart from me, because like Peter, I am a doubting man. I am an inconsistent man. Lord, just get away from me. I'm a lustful man. Lord, get away from me. I'm prideful. I'm petty. I'm foolish. I'm lazy. I'm easily discouraged. I'm anxious. I'm prejudiced. I'm racial. I lie. I'm secretive. I'm depressed. I'm confused. I'm untrusting. I'm reckless. I abuse alcohol. I abuse drugs. Lord, just get away from me. I'm a sinful man. We got to be thankful here that there's some prayers that God won't answer. It was a plea from Peter, just get away from me, God. Did Jesus go anywhere? So when we pray that kind of foolishness, Lord, I, I'm no good. Why am I your child, Lord? I'm so sorry. I done did it again, God. Just, just leave me alone. He won't leave you alone. Matter of fact, he moves in closer. But ladies, you know I can't go on to the next point and leave you out. We're equal opportunity here at Strong Tower. Because there's some sisters who would say, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful woman. So let me fill in the blank for you and maybe you can find where you is. <laughs> depart from me for I am an unforgiving woman, oh Lord. You don't know my husband. Depart from me for I am a destructive woman. I am an envious woman, Lord. I am a jealous woman, God. Depart from me. I am deceitful. I am 
flirtatious God. De depart from me because I'm nosy. Lord, depart from me because I'm a nagging woman. Depart from me because I'm self-absorbed. Depart from me because I'm self-sabotaging. Man, I will tear some stuff up. A foolish woman tears down a house with her own hands. Depart from me, Lord, because I'm controlling. Depart from me, Lord, because I'm rude. Depart from me, God, because I'm argumentative. Depart from me, God, here it is, because I'm unsubmissive. I can't believe you said a cuss word in church. Unsubmissive. Depart from me, God, because I'm critical. I'm divisive and I'm bitter. Oh, God. But can I just say, praise God, you see your sin. Some of us are experts at seeing sin in other folk, but not seeing it in ourselves. But once we see it, what are we going to do with it? We got to forgive ourselves after we've gone to God and asked for forgiveness. Well, the second point is the extension of forgiveness. Verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And also, so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So the question is, what was Simon afraid of? The text doesn't tell us exactly what he was afraid of, but again, put yourself in his sandals. He probably was afraid that the Lord would answer his prayer and depart from him. Lord, don't leave me. I'm a mess, Lord, don't leave. And he was probably afraid that this rabbi that he had just met, who changed his world and was changing his world, that this rabbi would leave him, this rabbi who had just healed his mother-in-law, don't leave me. Or maybe he was afraid that the Lord was going to punish him for his disobedience, his sin of doubt. Maybe he was afraid that he thought Jesus was going to drop the hammer on him. That Jesus was going to kick him while he was down. That Jesus was going to condemn him. And that's how some of us are. We mess up and we're afraid that God's either going to leave us or he's going to beat us up. But he wins us with love. He says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. From now on. Peter's future potential was greater than his past failure. Can I help somebody again? What God has for you from this day going forward is better than anything you've ever done in your past that broke his heart, that broke your heart. What God has in front of you is greater than the failures behind you. Yes, you failed, but you're not a failure your sin does not define you. His grace does. For where sin abounds, mm -hmm, grace does what? Super abounds. Super abounds. We can't out the grace of God. And a good Christian won't try. But still, we cannot. His grace super abounds. And Jesus says from now on. You see, God forgives us unto greatness. God forgives us unto better days. And then Jesus is going to say to him, from now on, you're going to catch men. So I'm calling you up from a place where you're down. He's on his knees in the boat, but Jesus basically, I'm calling you up and I'm calling you out. You thought catching fish was something. You thought that your career was your identity, that you were a fisherman. I got more for you than that. I'm going to call you to catch men, to catch people in the net of the gospel of grace. I'm calling you up and I'm calling you out. Well, Lord, what in the world is going to make me able to fish for men and catch them, oh God? Who am I? Look, because later in the book of Acts, they're going to say that Peter and the other disciples were unlearned men and uneducated men. They had a thick Galilean accent that folks down in the south, when they heard it, they put them down and shamed them because they came from the north. 
Y'all need to hear what y'all sound like in the South. <laughs> what, what qualifies me? Let me tell you what qualifies me. Number one, the fact I called you. That's what qualifies you because God never calls the qualified, but he qualifies every person that he calls. It ain't up to you, it's up to him. But here's another thing, though. You can catch fish when the fish hear your testimony that you were a sinner who experienced the forgiveness of God. That makes the gospel attractive to lost fish because they see that a found fish experienced forgiveness from Jesus Christ. But if you come around here fishing, acting like you holier than everybody else, acting like you got it going on 24-7 and your stuff don't stink, you're not going to reach nobody. But if you can come down and tell folk, yeah, he, he forgave me. I messed up, man, but he forgave me. Oh, man, my life was a mess, but he forgave me. I don't look like what I've been through. Folk will listen. And you can catch fish when you testify about a God who forgave you of your stuff. But one proof I know of people who have not forgiven themselves is they don't talk about what they've been through. Now, I'm not saying glorify that stuff. But don't act like you didn't go through that stuff either. Because how can you reach people if people don't think you've been through stuff? Yeah, I thought about taking my life. Yeah, 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 I took some drugs. Yeah, I was a liar. Yeah, this, that, and the other. You share your testimony and, and you talk about his grace. I have a friend went to college with. And he was sexually promiscuous in college. Had two children out of wedlock. Got married, had other children, but he never talks about the children that he had prior to getting married. He doesn't have a relationship with the children that he had before he got married. He never shares his testimony about the children that he had before he got married. And when you can't share about your past, that means your past still has power over you. And you made a mistake, but those kids are not mistakes. They're children made in the image of God. They need their father's love, not their father's overlooking them. And whenever I see him, it looks like he's just stuck up and, 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 and just something. He's just not free. As if I don't know his story. Bro, I know your story. I love you. But there's some other folk that need to hear your story to get some encouragement, starting with your two children that you had out of wedlock. If you can't talk about it, that means it still has authority over you. Some of you have husbands who, who stepped out on you. Some of you have wives who stepped out on you. I'm going to mess with you now. You say you forgave them, but you still hold things against them. I know husbands who've been unfaithful. And they can't lead in the marriage again because the wife won't give them that power back. Because the last time you had power to serve me as my head, you messed up. So because of that, I run this house now. And the husband is like, well, I can't say nothing because last time I tried to lead, I tripped and messed up. So I really don't have no place. So, so, so now the, the marriage is not the way it's supposed to function. Or the husband has a wife who was unfaithful. And he says he's forgiven her, but he puts her on hold emotionally. And that's where the husband or the wife, if they messed up, you go before God, Lord, forgive me. And if you go back to God the next day and say, Lord, forgive me for that sin, God's going to say, what sin? You confessed it yesterday. He forgave you. Yes. Stop bringing it up. Believe that he forgave you and go on with your life. Even if your spouse does not forgive you, walk in God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. 
to that person that's holding somebody hostage in your marriage. Who are you to not forgive? Who are you to, 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 to hold them still on the hook when forgiveness means to release from punishment? Yeah, I forgive them, but your attitude is funky in the house. And it just stays over this person like a cloud. Your house is not reaching its potential because of unforgiveness. Finally, Pastor, what's the proof of forgiveness here, man? Verse 11, so when they had brought their boats to land, I'm done, they, they forsook all and followed him. Something happened out there on that water that changed how they were going to now live on land. Something happened to me at church that's going to change how I live when I leave this church. Something happened to me when I met Jesus at that camp, and it's going to change how I live for him when I'm in school. Because you can't meet the master and stay the same. Yeah, it's a process, but you are a new creation now. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. They forsook everything and left that stuff. On their biggest fishing day, he got more money right now than he ever had as a fisherman. But he left that money on the beach when he left them fish on that. Pastor, how do we know? What's the proof that Peter was forgiven and Peter forgave himself? I just told you what the proof was. You missed it. Here it is. The proof that he was forgiven by Jesus and that he forgave himself was that he went on. I know that ain't going to shout. You might shout somebody. He went on. But some of us can't go on because we will not forgive ourselves. He was going on to a better life. He was going on into his purpose. But that would have never happened if he had not forgiven himself. He left everything, the fish, his profession, his sin, his shame, and his guilt. And he went on with the Lord who wasn't going to bring that episode up again. So don't you bring it up again. Strong Tower, love yourself enough to forgive yourself. Because when you forgive yourself, you can go on to do greater things. And you can tell other people about a grace that has and is changing you. Well, it's MLK Day tomorrow. What did he have to say about this? He was talking out of Matthew about Jesus says we ought to forgive one another 70 times 7. In other words, we shouldn't even count. Martin Luther King said, well, forgiveness based on that verse is not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude. Forgive other people. Forgive other people. Forgive other. Don't keep score. Love keeps no record of wrong. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Forgive as you've been forgiven. And while you're forgiving others, forgive yourself. Constant mindset. Lord, I forgive me. For that lustful look that I had at Kroger when I saw that woman walk down aisle 10 and I put the thing in reverse, I said, oh, Lord, I messed up. Forgive me, Jesus. Constant forgiveness. Dr. King also said forgiveness does not mean ignoring what has been done or putting a false label on an evil act. Forgiveness is a catalyst creating the atmosphere necessary for a fresh start and a new beginning. Dr. King said it is the lifting of a burden or the canceling of a debt. Well, the story is told of a woman named Louise whose husband Tom was killed when he was struck by a car. Tom worked as a crossing guard at the local school. And an older lady's car struck Tom and killed him. And the investigating officer and the witnesses on the scene told Tom's wife, Louise, that it was an accident and it was no one's fault. Unfortunately, Louise did not want to believe any of it. And in the sad, lonely weeks after the funeral, Louise's thoughts turned again and again towards this woman who killed her husband. 
She was blaming her, accusing her, and resenting her. Well, one afternoon, Louise's pastor stopped by and said, I've met with the woman. She wasn't speeding. She wasn't careless. She was blinded by the sun that day. It honestly was an accident. That's what everyone says, Louise replied. I know I should feel sorry for her, that God wants me to forgive her, but I can't. The pastor patted Louise's arm and kindly said to her, when you can accept what's happened, perhaps you can forgive her. Please, Louise, ask God to help you. Louise's angry feelings were still there a few weeks later when the pastor came by again. He said to Louise, I want you to go see this woman. See her, Louise snapped back. Why? I'm the one who's alone. She has a husband. I'm the injured party. Louise was hurting so much inside. She said to the pastor, is it wrong that I'm angry? The pastor said, no, it's human. But with God's help, you'll work your way through this. You have to pray about it. He took Louise's hands and said, the woman who hit your husband is a teacher. She loves children the same way Tom did. She loves children, Louise thought. These words echoed in her head along after the pastor had left. She tried to imagine the woman in her classroom guiding and encouraging her students. Louise sank into Tom's chair and bowed her head. Father, I can't go on like this. I know you want me to forgive her. Help me have the heart to do it. Well, the next day, God helped Louise. She was putting away some sympathy notes from Tom's school children that they had written to the family. And as she reread the caring messages, Tom's favorite Bible verse slipped into her mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Louise's pastor had asked her to pray, and she did. Now she found she was ready to try the thing that God seemed to be asking her, which is to be kind, to forgive. The pastor called ahead, and the following morning, Louise walked up the brick path to the woman's house. The woman had a frail look, and her face was downcast. The two women sat down stiffly and awkwardly. At first, it was difficult for both of them to talk. And then the older woman began to tell Louise how her heart went out to her and how miserable she was. She was now afraid to drive a car. She couldn't go to work, and she couldn't eat. Louise wondered, could it be? that she was suffering even more than me. And then Louise spoke out and said, I know you didn't mean to hit my husband. The woman's lips trembled. If only I hadn't left home that day. And without thinking about it, Louise put her arms around the woman and she said, I forgive you. Now you must forgive yourself. And with God's help, you can. As you stand to your feet, I want to let you know that with God's help, you can forgive yourself. With God's help, you can forgive people who've trespassed against you. With God's help. With God's help. Let's pray together, church. Jesus, thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. That when we are faithless, you remain faithful. You, you will not deny yourself, which means you will not disown us. Thank you for moving in all the more intimately when we fail you when we get up and live almost like practical atheists, as if you don't exist, when we do our own thing and mess up yet again, there you are to forgive. It's your love that changes us. It's your mercy that leads us to repentance. 
Lord, on that day, you bless Peter in spite of his unbelief. You bless Peter in spite of his attitude. You blessed him. And he saw who you were in your mercy towards him. Thank you that you told him he didn't have to be afraid anymore. I thank you that you speak those same words over each and every one of us. We don't have to be afraid. You're with us. You have forgiven us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that never loses its power, that washes us of all of our sins and iniquities and makes us blameless in your presence. We thank you for the blood that's there like a bank account that never runs dry. We can make a withdrawal every day to get cleansed from our daily sins. And thank you, Lord, that you call us to forgive ourselves, to let ourselves off the hook for what we did, to stop condemning ourselves for what we did. Because if you forgave us, we must forgive ourselves. I pray for that person who needed this word today. May the enemy not steal this word from their heart. But Lord, may it go down deep and find good soil today and produce fruit in each life of some 30, 60, and 100 fold that we will be freer because we've not only said those things are behind us, they're under the blood of Jesus. And you do not define us by our mistakes. No matter what other people say, we thank you, Lord, that it's your mercy that's new every morning. Encourage your people today, Lord. May we leave out grappling again with the gospel, believing the gospel, that Jesus is enough, that Jesus did enough, and that you came into the world to save sinners of whom we are the worst. And we still got a testimony because no matter what we did, you can use what we did as a ministry to folks who are going through things similar. And we can say it's only by the grace of God. Help us, Lord, as we fish for men and women around us. Help us, Lord, as we share your word with people who need Jesus today. They're suspicious of religion. They're suspicious of church. But many people, Lord, they're not suspicious of you. Help us to be a good representation of who you are. We love you so much. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, but never from your presence, we thank you that you present us faultless before the Father. You present us faultless in such a way that when he sees us, he sees your righteousness. And we thank you that you're the same God who not only presents us, but you're able to keep us from stumbling. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you. We praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you heard a word today, can you put your hands together and thank God? I know I heard one. I heard something I need. Well, please, before you leave, meet someone, greet someone, greet our first time guests. And Lord willing, we'll see you on Wednesday evening.